Had a lot of live action for you this weekend. Did the simulcast thing on Friday night. Glad we did. I was getting back from, in fact, we didn't get back from the conference tournament in Fort Worth until about 8 o'clock on Friday night. Baseball game started at 6.30. And, of course, Jay Retcher, not an option on Fridays. He does a daily show on WDAE, which I hope you heard their interview with Georgina Cork last week. If not, check it out on the 95.3 WDAE website. So we gave you the simulcast of Jim Lauk calling the baseball game against Bradley, and we're glad that we did. Although, on a down note, the Bulls did not have the services of Jack Jasiak last weekend. Slight injury, and so they went with Orion Kirkring in the first game, and it was a little bit of a disappointment because Kirkring certainly pitch-winning baseball, but had to get pulled in the sixth inning, and Bradley was able to tie the score up against him. This is a Bradley team that came in with just a few wins on the season and a team that, frankly, has only made the NCAA tournament once in my lifetime, which I won't tell you how long that's been, but it's been a long time, and that was back in 2015, and they've been below 500 the last couple years, so you were a little worried until Jackson Mayo, the freshman from Jacksonville, popped a three-run homer. He had blasted a home run early in the game, and the Bulls also got a homer from their other lefty freshman outfielder. Marcus Brodell has been DHing a lot, he was the one who hit the home run that had that Bulls lead up to 3-1. to one. But then when Kirkering had to come out in the sixth inning, Nolan Hootie in relief gave up a 0-2 single to a man that just had a couple of hits on the year. But then the seventh inning, the Bulls would get the lead back and they would win it by the score of 6-3 to three in that game. Hunter Mink followed Tanner Mink, the two twins following each other. Mink gets his fifth save, has yet to give up a run this season. The issue in that game was leaving runners on base, 14 of them. Well, the issue on Saturday was defense. The Bulls committed seven errors. They had not committed that many since, well, breaking the record in that dubious category with eight of them in a 2012 game. And Bradley gets the 10-4 win. Again, the Bulls left some runners on base early. I know you're losing 10-4. Why am I talking about leaving runners on base? Well, they had chances, even when they scored in the first inning, to break it open. Same thing in the second. And they essentially let a kid on the other side, a freshman who had given up 12 runs in his last game, gain his confidence and get his second win. And then really only got a few runs at the end in the ninth inning. Counter Jacobs Guichard had a two-run double, and he got the start at shortstop, and the Bulls were much better defensively yesterday. And it looked like maybe they were going to strand the bases loaded, but not so in the second. Got to be protecting up there if you're Drew. Here's the pitch. Oh, and he rips it to right field. It hangs up in the air, and it's going to jump in for a base hit. Cantu scores. It's going to be a play at the plate. Jacobs Guichard in safely. It's 2-0. Brutcher is going to head out to second base and slide in safe himself. Brutcher comes through. And then, like magic, once that hurdle was kind of clear, they were able to tack on a couple more runs as Bradley threw a wild pitch. There was a flat error by the third baseman, and it's 4-0, no problem. Then we get to the fourth. Dylan Vega, who got the start again with no Jaciak. Brad Lord did struggle in that game against Bradley on Saturday. But in this game, boy, he was not struggling. Vega, the lefty, who had come one out away from going the full five against Stony Brook last weekend, just shy of his first win. Looked like he was going to get it this time. But in the fourth inning, their top two batters in their order, both outstanding hitters, singled. And then a walk to load the bases. So you're looking to limit the damage. He gets a strikeout on a three-pitch situation. Then a sack fly, which is fine because it's four to one. There's two away. And then this play changed the game in the other direction. 4-1, to one, USF on top. Bradley has one run in here, the top of the fourth inning. Full count, two away, runners on first and second. 
Here's the pitch, and it's a slider that is bounded off the bag, and that is going to score both runs. What a break. Instead, it's 4-3, to three, and then their next man up, Timmy O'Brien, who had not gathered up an RBI all year long, singles, and it's a tie game. Mine Lane on a ball hit right to him, what would have been the final out, kept him scoreless, kept it 6-4 game. Basically just tripped. Looked like someone took his legs out, but there was no one around him, so that was rough. But Carmine Lane would get his revenge. Bulls did not score in the seventh inning. Again, leaving some runners out there. So we go to the eighth, and it took a break to get things started. But things, with that break, finally switched back around. And first pitch, very aggressively swinging, but is going to sky it up in the air. And you've got two players about to collide with each other, and they drop the ball. That was so poorly played by Bradley. Here's the pitch. Looks outside, and it is. Wow, nice job there by Rayo. He is going to stay in the game, and I think this is a good development for the Bulls because I think Lane's not going to make the same mistake he did last time. We would not mind that whatsoever. And there's that changeup, and he drills it. He knew what was coming. Eaton will score. Pena will get into third base, and Lane should have a double. There it is. That didn't fool him. It's 7-5. to five. Two and two. Runners on second and third. Lane with a... Potential tying run on second base. Pena pinch running for Sonny Rayo. Worked a nice walk at third. One out here in the bottom of the eighth. There's the changeup, and it's drilled to the left side of the infield. They are going to send Lane. There's going to be a play at the plate, and he is going to be safe. Tie game. Boy, that was not a bad throw. And Lane slid around the tag. And finally... They would actually leave them loaded in the bottom of the eighth inning. But in the bottom of the ninth, Carmine Lane stumbled into a winner. Blew a 4-0 lead, but then came back from down 7-4 with three in the last inning. Ooh, that ball is unloaded on. It's got a chance going back on it. And watching it fly out of here. It's Volk. The Bulls win. Carmine Lane. Finally puts an end to this crazy day. Trots around the bags with his fifth home run. And he's falling into home play. He stumbled for an error early today, and I don't know if he did that on purpose, but we'll take it as long as he touched the dish. That was a pretty important win. Again, taking these series from teams you're supposed to in order with Stony Brook and Brown. And Bradley, splitting with Boston College, has the Bulls at 10-6. and six. They play FIU on Tuesday. Softball also had walk-offs aplenty over the weekend. In fact, they had three one nothing wins in a row. If you go back to last Wednesday, the second game of the doubleheader against Stetson. Now, the concerning part is the offense starting to sputter a little bit. When you win three one nothing games, you're just doing enough. And then on Sunday in the second game, they would get shut out by Ohio State. But let's take you there first. Friday against Army, game that we didn't air, by the way. Georgina Korik, one hitter, struck out 14. Vivian Pond gave the Bulls their only run. That was in the first inning. Bulls had seven hits to just one, but again, could only get the one run. Same deal against a very game pitcher from Stony Brook. This was Saturday afternoon. What with the weather, the rain on Saturday morning, the schedule got changed for the entire event. I was not complaining. Gave me a Saturday night off, which was rare. But Saturday afternoon, the Bulls won a thriller. Stony Brook actually had more opportunities, not many against Georgina Cork. Bulls had very few, and it was nothing, nothing going into the eighth. 
with a tournament going on, you have to speed the games along. International tiebreaker rule, meaning runner at second base. So could Stony Brook score that way? They steal right away to put a runner on third with nobody out. Here's how the eighth went. Good for the Bulls in all respects. First and third. That ball is sent high in the air, and Sheehan's going to try and catch it. She does make the catch, and they have to hold up. Two times they put their first two base runners on in an inning. That would be the fourth and the sixth. Here we are in the eighth in a scoreless game. One and two. Swanovich for a three! Best ball! Corrick says no problem. So Maldonado tries to start off the bottom of the eighth with the punt, and she just pops it up. Great play by the first baseman. Give her credit but you still got to get that ball down. There's a better bunt, and she's got speed, and they look at third, and that should be all hands safe it is. I don't know any idea why the third baseman looked to third. That's really the first defensive mistake all day long by the Seawolves, and then Cadlip takes the extra base. So a chance here for the Bulls, a real chance. John, do you think might drop one down? If she could just chop it up in the air, it's over. She does, and it's over! Base hit! for Alexis Johns, and the Bulls win! Cork picks up 12 more strikeouts. She did walk two, but one was intentional there at the end of the eighth inning. So the Bulls take their lucky 13th in a row. Then yesterday in a game called by Jay Retcher, didn't wait that long. UMass was no match for the Bulls, and the Bulls were able to get the win with Cork pitching. Thought that was interesting because... You weren't going to have her against Ohio State, but they secured the win, no doubt, in just five innings. She only gave up, once again, one hit and struck out seven. This time, plenty of run support. It got going in a six-run fourth inning with two RBI hits from Piero, Alexis Swearingen, and Megan Sheehan. Then could you get that eighth and make it a quick game? How about this? That ball's hit. Back, left field, to the track, to the wall. It's gone! We just spoke about it two minutes ago. Vivian Pond. Her first home run of the season. That is going to wrap this baby up. The Bulls win it 8-0. So much easier time. You knew it was going to be a much tougher time in the finale. Ohio State had been rolling in Tampa. Friday beat Stony Brook 6-3. 14-0 against Army on Saturday. And then 8-0, just like the Bulls against UMass. And they had the better pitching in this matchup. 5-0. It was a great crowd. It really kind of felt like an NCAA tournament crowd, and the Bulls could not handle Ohio State's Lexi Handley. They did have a chance, and this was a great at-bat by Madison Epperson in the fourth inning. After Sheehan had singled the only hit of the game for the Bulls early in the fourth, a bunt to get her over to second base, Pond flies out, and then Madison Epperson fouls off four three-and-two pitches before striking out. Ohio State grabs a 3-0 lead with two more runs in the fifth inning. And of note, Megan Piero kind of muffed the throw in that sequence where both runs scored on a sack fly and an error. And she had been hit by a foul ball on that Epperson at bat, so we'll keep an eye on her injury. But she did not finish the game. Ohio State would tack on two in the seventh. But they were the victim of a web gem in the sixth, as called by Jay Retcher. To Hackenbrack, the DP. There's a line drive. What a stab by Maldonado up to make the throw and gets her at first base. Holy smokes, what a play by Maldonado. She caught it on one hop, and it was an in-between hop almost behind her. She doesn't even get up to her feet, and she makes the throw to first base on a line to Epperson for out number two. What a play by Desiree Maldonado. Yeah, go to the USF softball Twitter page for video of that. By the way, they will face Ohio State again, and I would be shocked 
if Miss Corrick doesn't pitch against them. That is going to be this Thursday. It's a doubleheader for softball against Big Ten teams, Ohio State and Purdue. They'll play those two teams again on Saturday. In fact, they pretty much have a game every day from this Wednesday to next Tuesday, and then it's time for conference play off against UCF. Not a bad way to start it. Men's tennis lost last Thursday, a tight one to Middle Tennessee. They took Furman on Friday. They're 500 back at it on Wednesday. Women went to New Orleans, were hoping to play two matches. Weather canceled the first, then they lost 4 nothing to Tulane. Give Green Wave credit, they dominated at doubles and at five and six singles, so they just needed one of the other four matches to go their way. Freshman Sierra Berry, competitive but lost in two tight sets, and each of the other three matches were in a third set, so again, 4 nothing, kind of misleading. Tough event for women's golf, finishing 16th in a field of 16, where the winning teams were 14 over par, South Carolina and Ole Miss tied. USF finished 60 over par. Wind, and it was bad in Augusta, basically canceled one entire round. In their first round, the Bulls shot 50 over par, but they got it back to 10 over in their final round, and Melanie Green ended up in the top 25 thanks to four late birdies in a row. She shot an even par second round. That'll wrap up Bulls Beat for a Monday. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.